This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. Yo, what up, world? This is Butch Hogan, also known as Bang Nine of THK. You are listening to the Two Headed Nerd Podcast with Matt and Joe. Before we get started, dude buddies and buddy dudes, we have got a new podcast host, so if you are hearing this, you've already done the job and everything's fine. If you have some trouble, all you need to do is unsubscribe and resubscribe, and everything will be totally awesome. And welcome to episode 78 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, August 8th. My name is Matt Baum, at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter, and when I'm not riding the script in the van on the way back from Minneapolis, after beating and drinking myself to a bloody pulp, I write... That sounds like I was talking about masturbating. I write the Comic Speculator blog and appraise comics for WordPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, Joe Patrick 116 on the Twitter. And when I am not rearranging my entire life to accommodate my co-host's rock and roll that's, lifestyle, that's not what this says. I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. I wrote something very different there. This week, you'll hear reviews of It Girl and the Atomics number one, Archer and Armstrong number one, and after that, we'll review ten comics so fast the U.S. hurdler Lolo Jones will lose her McDonald's sponsorship to us during the ludicrous speed round. Then. We'll talk about the future of next week's comics when we pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. And finally, one lucky listener will instantly become internet famous when we say his slash her name aloud, even though I spelled aloud wrong, and (laughs) answer his slash her question during our monthly Ask a Nerd segment. But before we get to all the sturm and drang, let's take a minute to recount what we've learned from the Triple X Summer Olympic Games so far. One, saving yourself from marriage does not make for faster hurdling. Two, Smoking weed could make you the most decorated Olympian of all time. And three, smack-talking is only cool if you have a Jamaican accent. Now, let's talk about this week's big news! This week, rumors were circling the net of a possible character swap between Fox and Marvel Studios. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Originally, Variety reported that Fox, who controls the film rights to Daredevil and the Fantastic Four, were eyeing the calendar with concern. Fox's control over the rights to Daredevil will revert back to Marvel if the studio doesn't put a project in development before October 10th. According to the rumor, Fox was willing to make a trade, giving Marvel the rights to Silver Surfer and Galactus in exchange for a Daredevil extension, allowing them time to get a DD reboot off the ground. This seemed plausible considering the cosmic direction of Marvel's future films. However, Deadline.com reported that the rumors were untrue, stating that Fox's, quote, lukewarm on Daredevil and don't want to lose important elements of the Fantastic Four with an FF reboot by Chronicle director Josh Trank in the works. Now, until now, I agree. It never occurred to me that studios could just trade the rights to characters. Right? This sounds like a grade school like Garbage Pail Kids transaction. How many D-listers would Marvel have to offer Sony to get the Spider-Man rights back? That is not going to happen. We've already discussed this. It's not going to happen. Don't get your hopes up. Give them D-Man and Wood God and call it good. (laughs) Wood God. Yeah, I think that would be a good one. The Hypno Hustler. We'll throw You Look the Troll in there. It'll be excellent. This is bizarre. And honestly, I don't see it working out. Because there's one thing lawyers from different entertainment companies don't do. That's get along or speak civilly. <laughs> sure. And this strikes me as kids on the playground swapping Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Well, yeah. You and know? I mean, and really. this, this story has already been discounted. But the question is, would you have thought that was a good idea? Giving Marvel the ability to put Galactus and Silver Surfer into the Marvel Universe Daredevil? movies is worth losing Daredevil? No. No, I don't. I mean, like... To you and me, Silver Surfer and Galactus are huge characters and big parts of the Fantastic Four storyline and and Marvel Cosmic Universe. Mm -hmm. But go ask 100 people on the street, 
who Galactus is, and they don't know. They have no idea. He's a cloud. Maybe the Silver He's Surfer. He's an angry cloud. Right, of bugs. Maybe the Silver Surfer, because he was in the last Fantastic Four film, but, I mean, a hell of a lot more people are going to know who Daredevil is. Mm-hmm. Not just because Ben Affleck played him, you know, and just nailed it. Man, he killed it in that movie. It was so good. <laughs> I totally agree with Kevin Smith. Now, I, this is just bizarre, and I don't see it happening. There's just no way. Speaking of variety and deadline, the FF slash Daredevil story isn't the only time the two publications have contradicted each other over nerd news this week. On Wednesday, Variety reported that Warner Brothers was courting Ben Affleck, speaking speaking of Ben Ben Affleck, Affleck, to direct the upcoming Justice League movie. That was not planned, by the way. We both just nailed that. Nailed it. Affleck, best known for his roles in Phantoms and Reindeer Games. I changed that. Joe originally had written Forces of Nature. Yeah, Forces of Nature. (laughs) Come on. That's a way cheesier. No stranger to directing, having previously helmed the films Gone Baby Gone and The Town, both of which were excellent. It's true. Deadline, however, once again, literally called bullshit on the story and Affleck's own PR team denied the claim saying that at most Affleck would humor Warner Brothers by taking a meeting with the studio Joe supposing this rumor had turned out to be true are comic fans ready to forgive Ben Affleck for his role in the Daredevil atrocity you know I don't know what I don't get is the people that came to me and they're like you know what if you watch the director's cut of Daredevil it was really good and I said oh is it a completely different movie (laughs) did they totally rewrite the script is the is the daylight playground ninja scene longer does bullseye stand up and giggle on a motorcycle while flinging stained glass you know like (laughs) god um I don't know I I think Affleck has kind of redeemed himself in recent years. He's been in some things that are good, and he's an amazing his director. Directing is very good. He's an amazing director, and I look forward to any film he's putting out. I don't see him. I don't think he's got the chops for the yeah, Justice League, and I think that sense. Affleck himself knows it, which is why right. they're like, no way, man. But also, when we heard Kenneth Branagh was directing Thor, we all kind of went, what? It's true, but the last thing you want to be is the guy that screwed up the Justice League movie. I can't imagine. Like, being offered this job at Warner Brothers, this is probably like coaching the Oakland Raiders in the NFL, where it's just like, they fire somebody every season, sometimes twice a season, nobody wants a job, the owners are crazy, like, man, this would be a a minefield to walk in. It is a thankless task, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone, definitely not Ben Affleck. Especially not Benji, he's a nice guy, he's a good kid. My wife's got a crush on him. We grew up with him. Finally, Disney announced that nerd god Joss Whedon will not only return to direct and write avengers 2 he did not write avengers 1 uh he punched up the script he got a writing credit but he's yeah but he's not the main no 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 credited writer so this is i think pretty big but he'll also quote help develop a television series set in the marvel movie universe marvel studios has had several rumored series in development over the past couple of years from the thankfully aborted punisher after dark series to guillermo del toro's incredible hulk and this news could be the first step to seeing one of those ideas on screen, or perhaps something completely unexpected. Either way, it has to be a huge relief for Marvel to know that the man who helped bring the third highest-grossing film in history to life will be back for more. Matt? Totally. Totally good news. Back to you, Matt. But there's no way, like, there's no way he doesn't. I'm sorry. Like, they're like, Joss, you know, we know you just made the third most commercially successful movie of all time, and we paid you a million billion dollars. <laughs> Would you please, please, please do number two? <laughs> like, no, I'm busy with the yeah, Doctor and really. horrible sequel. I think more interesting here is the TV series and where they're going to go with it. I see it being difficult. I see it being really difficult, unless they're playing on B-list characters. 
You know? I don't think it necessarily needs to be a superhero show. It can just be set in the Marvel Universe. I suppose it could, but you've got to have somebody in there being a hero. You have to. We can't just have people walking around. Did you hear what Captain America did yesterday? Yeah, it was crazy. Let's go to that party. You know, I mean, like if <laughs> girls were set in Marvel Manhattan. Party down. Yeah. Party down. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's a series of caterers in the Marvel Universe. Mm. But uh, Marvel ha- pretty much has Joss Whedon locked down, I think, for the next, I want to say, two or three years. And the guy's already proven that he can do TV. So I, I'm not worried. I just hope they pick some cool, like this would be a cool place for Iron Fist. This would be a cool place for Luke Cage. This would be a really cool, like characters or like that. Or Luke Cage and Iron that Fist. That can't necessarily sustain what? a movie and you could do stuff with that. You could have other heroes pop up. Unfortunately, you're not going to see Spider-Man. You're not going to see the X-Men, you know. Well, late breaking news, Marvel announced they clarified all the teasers from last week, and it's everything we expected with right. a couple of little twists. But what they also announced was the creative team taking over Avengers Assemble, which is the Marvel movie-friendly right. version of the sort Avengers. Of. Well, it's Kelly Sue DeConnick and Stefano Caselli. Ooh. Yes. And Spider-Woman is joining the team. Huh. So maybe that is a clue. Yeah, you could do Spider-Woman on the TV series. Yeah. That'd be fun. Or maybe she'll be in Avengers 2. Could be. Get a spider character on there. Yeah. Suck it, Sony. Eat it. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page. We posted our treatment for a Cinemax original Punisher After Dark series starring Dylan McDermott as Frank Castle, a man driven by his mission to punish inattentive husbands by ravishing the bodies of their lonely wives and teaching them the true meaning of passion. Wow. Yeah. It's like Silk Stocking starring the Punisher. <laughs> Each week, in a timely fashion, we like to post a question on our Twitter or our Facebook for you guys. We call it the question of the week. It just makes sense. Well, we got one posted this week. Joe Patrick, why don't you tell these kids about it and what the listeners are saying? This week's question was, what Marvel Universe concept would you like to see in a weekly TV series? And I said, get creative and give us a little bit of plot. Don't just come on over here and say punisher and then be done i want to i want details i want your full episode treatment for speedball the series i like it and what are they saying okay sorry i thought you unplugged the sound everything's great (laughs) our first responder was gil on our facebook page who suggested welcome aboard gil i think he's new He's been on the page for a while. I, oh, this might be the first time he's yeah. answered the question. Uh, he wants a Dazzler and Lila Cheney in a Monkeys or Josie and the Pussycats style show. Count musical misadventures in. around the galaxy. Awesome. I'm totally in. Get awesome. The, get the guy that does Glee to direct it. Uh, oh, completely man. Down. <laughs> that would be amazing. My wife would watch the shit out of that show. <laughs> Following up on my speedball suggestion, Roderick Ruth said... A new Warriors animated series. Oh, please. In the vein of Young Justice. He's just trying to pull your heartstrings now. And it's working! Roderick, It's come on. working! Roderick! It's, you Haven't you greased this pig enough? I mean, really. Night Thrasher, Speedball, Namorita, Firestar, Darkhawk, oh, Rage, please. and Nova. <laughs> with fluctuating members from time to time. And other teenage superheroes like Cloak and Dagger bouncing in. And the, the thing is, is that you could... Cross over the two books, okay. the two series, it'll tie into Avengers Earth's, uh, Avengers Assemble, 
And then you can have like Avengers Academy kind of thing. What? Yes. The new Warriors. Awesome. Oh, God. That's the best (laughs) idea ever (laughs) in the history of ideas, Roderick. Uh, It's okay. Time again for Joe, Patrick, and I to reach into the cooler and grab two ice-cold, fresh new comics from this week, punch a hole at the top of them, shotgun these bastards, and see what the burps taste like. Joe, Patrick, tell these kids what you read this week. My pick for the week was It Girl and the Atomics Number 1 from Image Comics. This is written by Jamie S. Rich, with art by Mike Norton, and colors by Alan Pasalacqua. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Pesalacqua. Here's the story so far, according to the inside cover. In Snap City, an alien spore transformed a group of street beatniks into the superpowered band of heroes known as the Atomics. These costumed adventurers align themselves with Frank Einstein, a.k.a. Madman. Currently, Madman and two other Atomics are on an intergalactic music tour with Red Rocket 7. Yeah, it was the whole thing. Leaving the remaining Atomics on their own on Earth which is where our story begins. This is my first exposure to Mike Allred's Atomics. You didn't read the Atomics? No. I've read very, very little Madman. You are leaving uh, here with the Atomics hardcover that I have right behind you, and you're going to read it, and you're going to love it. Okay. But yeah, I just never really made it a priority to follow these characters. Did you read Red Rocket 7? No. Oh, that was great, too, man. Mm. I remember being annoyed at Red Rocket 7 it was a because weird it was really oddly formatted. It was 12-inch size, so it looked like a, a vinyl record. Try storing that thing. I still got them. Man. And, yeah. So I wasn't sure how this book would read. If I didn't really care about it when Allred himself was doing it, how good could it be? But after an out-of-place, grim and gritty opening scene, which is very promptly explained, the book kind of reestablishes the tone I was expecting and it sets up what I think is going to be a really fun story. I, I don't have the proper context to compare Jamie S. Rich and Mike Allred's writing, but Rich's script feels right. It felt light and bouncy yeah. and breezy. Comical and fun. Yeah. Mike Norton was the perfect choice to draw this book if Mike Allred himself wasn't available. He shifts his style to be a little cartoonier than usual, and it really works with this story. Uh, it's not a gritty book. It's fun and simple and not in a bad way. It, it's, I don't know exactly how to describe it. It's like... Delightful. Groovy. It's like a, yeah. It's like a really nice lunch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like a really good salad. Yeah. It's crisp. It's fresh. It's fun. And you don't feel weighed down after you read it. Yeah. It's really you're, good. You know what you're getting into. The colors by Alan Pasalacqua, they're perfectly bright, even during the night scenes. And they pop from the page in the exact right way. This is a really good looking book. It reads well. And I should say that as someone that isn't super familiar with these characters, I was not lost at all. The book gives you everything you need to follow. The story so far thing at the beginning was very helpful. And I didn't miss a beat. It was a a really fun issue. I'm on board for the rest. Like I said, it just was super. It was Ginchy. It was. I'm giving it a buy it. Uh, I very much have followed all these characters. I'm a huge Mike Alred guy. I've got a Madman tattoo in my right arm. A they pornographic Madman tattoo Mad on Man his right tattoo. arm. Uh, they nailed this. The, fee- it, the most important thing about the Madman and the Atomics sort of universe is not necessarily the story, which is usually 
second sure. <laughs> you know, when it comes to stuff it's the feel it's the humor it's the fun it's the cartoon feeling and they nailed it here mike norton was perfect here mike norton is quickly proving he can do anything i love the guy's art you should go check out battle pug his free internet com- comic it's fantastic super fun stuff this the context that they wrote it in was perfect very much in the spirit of Alred stuff i really enjoyed this as well a lot of people might not get it because it is so lighthearted, and I would seriously suggest go back, read all the Madman stuff you can find, read the Atomic stuff. It's a ton of fun, and then you will devour this. I'm also giving a buy. Matt Bomb, what did you read this week? I picked up Archer and Armstrong, number one, from Valiant Comics, written by Fred Van Lenty, with art by Clayton Henry. Van Lenty and Henry continue the summer of Valiant with the relaunch of Jim Shooter, Bob Layton, and Barry Windsor Smith's creation that was called the best superhero buddy comic of all time by Wizard Magazine. <laughs> Archer and Armstrong. It was back in the 90s. I never read. Barry Windsor Smith? You drew it. Barry Windsor Smith was the artist on Archer and Armstrong. He was the artist on Solar. Artist and Armstrong as well, buddy. Okay. He helped create it. All right. I just don't remember that. Yeah. I, ne- I didn't read any of the old Archer of Armstrong. I was mm-hmm. aware of it. I yeah. knew it was going on. And I heard fantastic things. The old series has a, com- a complete trade out. I can't remember what it's called, like the Forever Years or something like that. But I'm totally going to pick it up and give it a read after reading this. Not a whole lot has changed here in the relaunch. Archer is still a religious zealot and Armstrong is still an immortal. But their backgrounds are slightly different. The story opens with Armstrong in ancient Mesopotamia trying to stop his brother from activating some type of alien device, and it looks right out of Exo Manowar. Wouldn't surprise me if that ties in later on, coincidentally. Well, not to get too spoilery, but in the old Valiant, Exo Manowar, Armstrong, and the Eternal Warrior, they were all brothers. They were all immortal brothers. Oh, yeah, I didn't know so. that. That's neat. I don't know if that's the same here, but... I, it looks a lot like the same tech, so yeah. maybe they're going that direction. Anyway, Armstrong finds himself blinded in an explosion so large it can be seen from space. There's this great three-panel sequence that shows the explosion. It shows him being thrown, and then it shows a scene of like on Earth, of Earth from space, and Van Lenty's using this quote from Genesis. Yeah, from the it's Bible. the flood. Oh, it's the, great. Triggering the device ended all life on Earth. Yeah, it he was says it later fantastic. in the book. Fantastic. Uh, we flash forward to the Christian fundamentalist theme park where Obadiah Archer was raised, along with a small army of runaways, all of which have been trained as a zealot militia for a paramilitary religious group called the Dominion. After proving himself in a trial by combat, Archer is sent out into the world for the first time to kill an immortal man of sin, Armstrong, who finds himself working as a bouncer in a biker bar, drinking and recounting his amazing history to anyone who will listen. Like I said... Very similar to the original title, and very similar in tone as well. Mm. After Archer discovers Armstrong, they're kidnapped by armored troopers. Archer quickly discovers his parents are not the good Christians he thought they were, but they're part of a demonic cult bent on world domination. It's extremely high concept here. There's a lot of concept going on, and nobody handles that stuff better than Van Lenty. He's so good with this sort of like, everything he did in The Incredible Hercules He's so good with the mythology and the history. I mean, it's, he makes this stuff fun, where it could be really wordy and really boring. Mm-hmm. He packs this book full of humor. There, we open up at the amusement park of the Museum of Heathen Culture, showing like the Egyptian pyramids. There's a little kid named Rush that his fat parents are yelling at. <laughs> Dad's in a hover-around scooter. Like, we gotta go raise your father's blood sugar. <laughs> yeah, you, you're gonna make. You're gonna be late for second lunch. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're training Obadiah Archer inside this giant ark. <laughs> yeah. It was just great. Yeah, there was something called the Junk Science Museum yeah. or the Junk Science Symposium or yeah. something. Yeah, it was like Darwin and the Singing Apes present the <laughs> Junk, junk Science Museum. Yeah. <laughs> It, it was just packed full of this stuff and really interesting way. Like the original one, I know Archer was a religious warrior and he very much believed in God and he believed like his belief made him more powerful. But this goes right into complete right wing, like Christian dogma lunacy you know that he was raised in <laughs> well i don't know if it was christian dogma but yeah well born again maybe I it don't was know. like super i mean it was it was a kind of a generic like god-centric the earth's only six thousand years right. old hyper conservative but also right. like training people to become terrible assassins so <laughs> sure. it's kind of like a weird it's all part of the deal yeah Clayton Henry is very solid here. His lines are really clean. The action scenes work really well. And Matt Millow's on colors does a great job with him. They, they separate the book. Mesopotamia looked very clean and very bright. The religious theme park was very clean and very bright looking. And then when we get into New York, everything is dark and kind of smoky. And they do these really good neon lights, making everything look sexy and kind of evil. This looks to be a smart and as funny as the original that people loved. I really, really enjoyed this, and I can't wait to read more of it. I gotta say, of the three Valiant titles that we have so far, Exo Man of War, Hardbringer, Bloodshot, this is definitely the most lighthearted. The other three For are sure. hyper-serious. Good stuff, and I like them. This is definitely a fun read. I think this might be my favorite of the four so far. It looks like it's going to be a really fun read, like in the vein of Christopher Priest's Deadpool, in the vein of like Quantum and Woody. You know, like I think this is going to be a good time. I'm saying buy it. <laughs> I just, I had to grab the copy because I couldn't remember as uh, as Archer is leaving the theme park. He walks past oh, a yeah. cardboard sign of a, a woman dressed in a loincloth standing in front of a smiling purple T-Rex, and she's waving, and there's a quotation at the bottom that says, it's been real. <laughs> <laughs> it just really made me laugh. But yeah, this is a, this is a really fun book. It looks like it's going to be able to get serious when it needs to. and But overall, it's not going to get too bogged down in, no. in heavy themes. You know, even the even the you know the religious stuff is is handled with uh, tongue firmly planted. Oh yeah, in cheek, and you know the, the. I don't think there's anyone anything here that's going to offend anyone that isn't a lunatic. You know, sure, <laughs> yes, I'll give you that. Okay, and I'm giving this a, a buy it as well. I think this is my favorite of the four. So yeah, a buy it from me as well. Of course, we want to know what you, Drunk Immortals, and hipster super queens thought of these books. So hit us up on our Facebook page and tell us just how vapid and verbose our reviews really were. Good one. Boosh. It's time to shift this show into high gear and hit the nitros on the THN Ford Falcon XB Coupe. Sending us screaming down the post-apocalyptic Australian highway as we chase down a group of outlaw bikers, all while reviewing ten comics in the ludicrous speed round. What are we talking about there? Is it Mad Max? Yes, it is Mad Max! Road Warrior? You've never seen it, have you? Never. God. Ludicrous speed! 
Go! Thunder, number one from Dynamite. Yet another Golden Age property brought back to life, and I'm guessing Dynamite did it above board this time because they reprint the first issue of Frazetta's King of the Congo after the new iteration. There's yeah. terrible dialogue. Somebody got permission. Yeah. <laughs> There's terrible dialogue here with way too much one-word narration, like gasp, run, hide, survive. This went on for pages. <laughs> Not very good art either, and when placed side-by-side side with Frazetta's original masterpiece, it becomes laughable. Leave this. Wow. The Creek Zero from Dark Horse. This is another issue reprinting from Dark Horse Presents without all of the extra nonsense that I wasn't interested in reading. Apparently, there was some good nonsense in there. Yeah, I know, but I just don't need it. Apparently, The Creep is a concept John R. Cutie created for the original DHP 20 years ago, starring a private detective that suffers from acromegaly. I'm sure that's not how you say it. Do you know who else? The famous person? Acromelagic sufferer? Who? Andre the Giant. Boom! So it makes him look and sound a bit like a monster. This new story is about a grieving mother asking the creep to investigate her son's suicide. Really good art by Jonathan Case. Yeah. I, I really liked it. That I'm giving good. it a buy it. It was good. How about the peanut? <laughs> Anti, number one from 12 Gauge. I don't know why I said it that way. I don't either. This was written by the producer of Terminator, Aliens, and The Walking Dead. Her name's Gail Ann Hurd, and she brings readers what looks to be the story of a fallen angel and a demon slayer forced to team up to fight a legion of disguised demons on Earth. This one really hit the ground running, so I'm guessing that's what's going on. But nice art by Daniel Hilliard, who very much reminds me of Brian Steelfreeze, who did the cover for this book. Not a bad read. I'm giving it a buy it. Hey, Mighty Thor, 18, Marvel. This is the prologue to the Everything Burns crossover between this book and Journey into Mystery, neither of which I've actually read in well over a year. Shame on you. I know. They're both great. I know. I was able to pick it up without too much trouble, though, and the book is beautifully illustrated by Alan Davis. Matt Bombson, Alan Davis, hater. I'm not a hater. So I'm back on board with Thor just in time for the end of Fractions Run and the Marvel Now relaunch. Good stuff, though. Buy it. Godzilla, the Half-Century War, number one. James Stoko told me Stoko. how to pronounce his name on Twitter yes. this week, wrote and drew Orkstein for Image previously. It was a wonderful series, completely psychedelic and bizarre. This was hands down the best Godzilla comic I have ever read. I don't even care about Godzilla, and I'm I loved it. huge Godzilla guy, and you guys know that by now. Stoko... He's got Godzilla tattooed on his body. I have Godzilla tattooed on my body. Stoko knows the mythos, obviously loves the tone and the feel of the classic films, and he doesn't try to Americanize this story. I feel like that's where a a lot of Godzilla comics fall down. I don't know if Godzilla works in America. The art is just gigantic. Tell that to Matthew Broderick, sir. Yeah. Huge in scale, crazy detail, just nutso coloring. This is insane how big in scope this comic is. It was wonderful. Buy this. Gambit, number one for Marvel. It's the return of everybody's favorite Raging Cajun. James Asmus and Clay Man bring us the story of Gambit struggling to reconcile his past as a thief with his present as a respectable school teacher and hero. His resolve isn't that strong, though, and he finds himself falling into some trouble with some shady characters. It's all executed well enough. I like Clay Man, and Asmus does a good job setting up the characters and their personalities, but it's really hard to say that I actually care. I like Gambit as a character. I am not sure I like him enough to support a solo book. It's well done, but I wouldn't be sad if it didn't exist. Really? So I guess that's I gotta, a skim it. I, I gotta say, I don't love Gambit, never have. This was extremely readable for me, and based well, on yeah, that, I'm, I'm not saying buy it. It's, I've never been more It's in- readable, but I don't care. I've never been more interested in Gambit. I'm wow. curious to see where this goes. I'm you're, not saying I love it. I'm just saying, I've on a scale of zero interest to now interested. 
<laughs> you're, then you're at a 10. Y yeah, effectively, I yeah. guess. <laughs> you're Gambit curious. Fantastic Four 609 from Marvel. This is a one-shot story that touches on Mark Millar's FF run. Also, Ryan Stegman jumps on as series artist, but it's not the Stegman I really recognize. It's, it's colored directly from pencils. It was weird looking. Yeah. I thought it something really good. scratchy and almost kind of unfinished feeling about it. And the story was also kind of jolting and took me right back to that Millar story with the Hyper-Earth and the future defenders that I really didn't care about. That it, I I really don't care at all I about really these characters. I really don't. I can only give this a skim it. I don't even know why Reed and Sue were there. I'm a little sad that uh, Hickman decided he needed to take an issue out of his run to address it. Yeah. I, again, I don't know why Reed and Sue were there. First FF issue from Hickman I'm giving a skim it. Spider-Man number four from Marvel. This book made me cry not once, but twice. Not once, not twice, but thrice. <laughs> once <laughs> when I flipped through it in the shop. And then again when I actually read it, even though I already knew what was going to happen. Cry, baby. I know. This has been a wonderful series that really highlights Brian Michael Bendis' strengths as a writer, and it's got amazing art by Sarah Pacelli. Just buy it, will you? Come on. Jerks. New Avengers number 29 from Marvel. This is one of the best Bendis talking heads Avengers issues I can remember. There is no action here whatsoever. I never got bored. We see an emergency meeting of the Illuminati, Doctor Strange, Tony Stark, Mr. Fantastic, Cap, and Professor X, all hoping that Namor will show up and listen to reason. The dialogue was near perfect. There were some laugh-out-loud Iron Man moments. Even Mike Diodato looked great here. Disagree. I he hated Mike Diodato. great here. Mm. Buy it. I loved it. Idolized. Number one, Aspen. Matt reviewed the Zero issue of this title a few episodes back, and this is the first full issue of the series. I thought it was a neat little twist on the superhero reality show concept that's become a thing since American Idol started. The art by Micah Ganell was a nice cross between Art Adams and Nick Bradshaw. Totally agree. Who is a bit of an Art Adams clone himself. I don't know. I kind of liked it. It brought back fond memories of Todd Knox' Wild Guard. There's yeah, like a that's couple. That's fair. That's fair. Couple pages in the back with all the wacky characters that are going to be on it. I'm giving it a buy. It. I thought it was fun too. This is the first Aspen book that I'm saying buy it. I like it. The the only thing that Zero had going for it was that it was like 12 pages of story for three bucks, right? Yeah, so that that kind of bothered. Crackoom! That is your ludicrous speed round, and crackoom is the sound it makes when one of Remy LeBeau's capers goes very wrong, as seen in this week's Gambit number one. Now, Joe, before we freak out and turn into crazy, spaced-out, drug-addled, comic book palm readers. Why don't we read a couple more answers to the question of the week? First-time writer Greg Jaxies writes in on Twitter, Can we just skip this and find a way to get the Lock and Key series, which filmed a pilot, picked up? I want that. <laughs> Barring that, though, he continues, But in all honesty, Runaways. There's a great Brit show called Misfits about superpowered delinquent teens, and it's great. Runaways has that appeal, plus the culture of actual supervillains, plus a velociraptor, six seasons in a movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not bad. That is totally rad. I, I am bad. on board for Runaways. And it's something they could do completely set on its own, and it would work. Yeah, absolutely. And you could bring in the Serpent Society and everything, you know what I mean? Like, or their parents weren't the Serpent Society. No, they were the pride. That's right. I wanted them to be the Serpent they Society. They were original supervillains. Right. On but Facebook... Kingslayer Halfets. The Kingslayer says, I would love to see a Runaway series, especially considering Joss Whedon would be involved. He did write a short run on that That's book. True. That's true. I'm not going to read the rest of his post because it's a little spoilery if you haven't read the one Runaways book, but that's two votes for Runaways. I like it. I, it's not a bad choice at all. I like it. I like it too. 
Now, it's time once again to enter the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where today we'll be bathing nude in pim particles, which will reduce us to microscopic size, at which point we'll be joined by the now-retired in more ways than one, and also nude, Acro Year, who will join us in huffing a microverse derivative of the Terrigen Mists that will allow us to peer into the future of next week's comics and get a super f***ing high. <laughs> Joe, while I call Bug and tell him we need OJ and pizza, you tell these kids what you'll be reading next week. These stories are getting more and more elaborate. It's a wacko, right? <laughs> I can find very creative ways to do drugs with Marvel Universe characters. Oh, man. Next week I'm excited for Before Watchmen number one. Nope. Next week I'm excited for Before Watchmen Rorschach number one from I DC too. Comics. Ooh, I am too. By Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo. I fully really expect Brian Azzarello to ruin our lives. I want something. I want this comic to be really, really grim. It's going to be gross. <laughs> And I was eager for this since the announcement, and it's been a long two months waiting for it to finally yeah, launch. Mayo, man. Uh, Beautiful. Just love that guy. That, that cover where the pattern on oh. Rorschach's mask is Rorschach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good lord. Matt, what are you excited for next week? I'm excited for Bloodshot, number two, written by Dwayne Swazinski, with art by Manuel Garcia. Swazinski is telling a very different type of superhero story here, and it doesn't look like there might be a good guy at all. Or maybe the main character might not even exist. <laughs> that would be an interesting, <laughs> this interesting is, twist. This is going to be a brain screw with tons of action and beautiful art. Bloodshot number one was a ton of fun. It's still out there and available. Go pick it up if you missed it. Valiant, killing it. Great job, guys. I'm excited for this one. And of course, we want to know what you nude nerds will be reading next week. <laughs> Hit us up on our Twitter, our Facebook, or come on, send us an email Just once in a while. Email us. Come God. on. Once again, it's time for one of our lucky listeners to scramble from the safety of their fraggle cave across the Gorg's Radish Garden to consult us, the resident all-knowing two-headed trash heap. Trash heap. With, <laughs> with their most profound comic-related question. Yeah. Fraggle metaphor. That's right. Right. It's time again for Ask a Nerd. It's a metaphor, right? It's, uh, yeah, it's a metaphor. Sh- yeah. Sure. No. Aaron Myers, <laughs> king of Ask a Nerd, wants to know how much of a role does the collector aspect play in any of your comics purchases? Do you buy comics anymore for variant covers, first prints, classic issues you feel will rise in value? Do you still get comics just to have them? Question mark? This is a fantastic question. A good question. Especially since what we do on this show, we read a ton of stuff that normally we would never pick up. I make myself each week grab stuff that I would never normally pick up. It's true. As far as collecting like goes, thunder, like thunder, for example, this is a really interesting question because I had kind of a crisis, a nerd crisis, not more than a year ago. And I talked to Joe about it and I said, I don't think I'm going to buy comics anymore. I think I'm going to concentrate on buying the collected hardcover, sexy editions that I like and focus more on figuring out what I want to collect. For example, I love Silver Age Daredevils, love them. And if I was going to have a run, I want to have a run of Daredevil. That is my guy. Swamp Thing is another one. I love old school Swamp Thing issues. Barry Wrightson. I mean, oh, man, that stuff kills me. And I've kind of made a choice to focus more on that. Now, that said, I still have a complete Green Lantern, you know, Jeff Johns run that I will never break. As long as he's writing Green Lantern, I'm buying it. I have uh, 
complete Bendis Avengers run. As long as he's writing it, I'm in. It's the way that some sports fans follow players from team to team. I've been following writers and artists that I genuinely love, and they're stuff that I'll just always buy. I've been buying Fantastic Four since I was like eight years old, even through some of the crap, you know? And I just, maybe it's automatic and that's stupid, but like Thor, that's another one. I've got to buy Thor on a monthly basis, even when it sucks. I have to do it, you know? So, well, What about you, Joe? For me, I have never really cared about collecting comics. I didn't take care of my comics growing up, you know? I didn't obsessively bag and box them. You know, I kicked them around. I read them until the pages fell out. I only cared about the stories and the characters, and that's what I loved about it. It was not. It was never about collecting. It was always about experiencing. And so, when I got uh, several years ago, I had a similar moment where I realized I was buying a bunch of comics that I just didn't care yeah, if like, I owned them or not. Right, and I wasn't. I was the same. I wasn't collecting anything. I just had a pile of. Comics. I was accumulating them, not right. collecting them. There's for for a collector, for somebody that genuinely cares about collecting so- something. There's a joy that comes with getting those items. Right. For me, I was only collecting them because that's how it was done. But I have, and Matt as well. We have a. A unique access to the material. We're able to steal it from the store that sponsors our show, which is very <laughs> cool. You know, they I allow highly us, recommend shoplifting. They allow us to read what we like <laughs> and and return it. And, you know, they appreciate it because we promote them. And uh, a lot of the customers of Legend listen to the show and we've led them to pick up new things. So it's kind of a symbiosis in that way. So if it wasn't for them, if it wasn't our connection to the shop, I don't know that we would have the podcast because how would we get these comics without we wouldn't have access to thunder number one pirating to, to smash it you yeah, know and i don't want to do that now that said i still do buy some variant covers and stuff i don't necessarily buy them because i think oh this is gonna now i should preface this with i write a blog for worthpoint.com called the comic speculator yeah you're part of the problem to help people like that and that's true but you also if you read my blog i'm not telling you you're going to put your kids through college here i'm telling you if you're going to buy this buy it at this level because there's a chance it's only going to rise x amount you know sure. so i try to be responsible about it when i buy a variant cover it's because i love the artist because right. it's a badass cover because i really like it am i ever going to sell it maybe maybe not truthfully i come back to legend comics with boxes of stuff that I give them. I say... That you have paid for. Yeah, that I paid for. And that you give back. And I go, I don't need it. Take it. You know, it's not important to me. I'm still sort of figuring out what it is I collect, little by little. But like Joe said, I know the things that bring me joy that would upset me if I sold them. Yeah. That I I would look back and I would say, God damn it, I should have never parted with my fables. Which I did, because I was an idiot. And now I will never have a run of fables unless one of you is nice enough to send me yours. <laughs> the bottom line for me is that I do not possess the collector mentality for anything. There, I, it's not just comics. If I don't, you look around the ziggurat, you might see that there's a hole in my heart that I'm trying to fill with a few things. Matt collects other things. <laughs> I don't collect anything. And so what I do is that if there's something I read that I really love, I'll buy the hardcover for it. I have a full hardcover set of the Starman Omnibus. I have a full run of Jeff Johns GSA Trades. I do have a full run of Starman the comic. I do too. That I inherited That's from our I'll, friend Big Mike. That's one I'll never part I with. I will never part with it. Uh, you My know, Alien Legion run. I will never part yeah. with it. So I do have some comics, but I just don't care. I care about reading it and experiencing it, not about collecting it. Your mileage may vary. Aaron Myers, I've seen 
the pictures of your comic stuff. You have a problem, sir. That's right. This is an intervention, sir. Aaron, once again, thank you for your 50th and best Ask a Nerd question. <laughs> yet you are truly the king of Ask a Nerd. If you have a burning question or some comic-related trivia that you think could stump gold medal comic trivia athlete Joe Patrick, send us your questions via email with the subject Ask a Nerd, and we'll be happy to make up an answer that sounds somewhat plausible. Before we shut this down, Joe Patrick, read me a couple more answers to the question of the week. Okay. We kind of flew through this. I wasn't expecting that. Well, we've got extra time. We're only at 43 minutes. <laughs> okay. This is like the making of Rocky Four, you know, where they were like, oh, f- We need some montages. This movie is 47 minutes long. <laughs> Our last few suggestions on Facebook were all pretty great. Uh, Stephen Kohler wrote in saying he wants a TV series based on the original Longshot miniseries, which is kind of like the born, I- the born Identity mixed with Farscape. Wow. Yeah, I can see that. And a little bit of The Running Man. Yeah. Nathan Bradford and Wade Lyles both suggested Power Man and Iron Fist, which I think is very likely Heroes for Hire. Extremely doable. I think that is definitely one of the top uh, prospects. Finally, Larissa Bradford, first-time writer, a lady. Welcome aboard, Missy. A lady. <laughs> suggests uh, an Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. series. You could have Nick Fury as a figurehead. I don't think Sam Jackson would ever be on it, but... Sam Jackson will do anything for money. <laughs> that's, Are you kidding I suppose me? that's true. But Larissa writes, you could have Nick Fury as the figurehead, but the real action would mainly take place via his subordinates. Use the espionage angle like the BBC's MI5 series. Yeah, you bring in Maria Hill, Dum Dum Dugan. And uh, no character would be safe on this show. I like Joss it. Joss Whedon's in charge. He'll I kill like anyone. It. And really, if you think about it, the girl that played Maria Hill is the star of How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother's only got one season to go. hey just in time for the Shield TV show. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I, I like it. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the Triple X Games of the Two-Headed Nerd closing ceremonies. But we'll be back next week when those fly gangsta thugs, the comic pushers, will be slinging some highly addictive comic product to you soft skull junkies. So be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or the Zoom Network, whatever that is, where your star ratings and reviews will be paid back with kisses on the mouth if you come to any of my band's West Coast shows. Huge thanks to this week's donors. And if you'd like to help keep us in kinesio tape and water polo helmets, you can make your donation in any amount via PayPal at the new and improved TwoHeadedNerd.com. The website cost us 200 Gs, so we need your support desperately. Or Matt is going to start selling pug kidneys under the false pretense of them being human kidneys on the black market organ trade. I would do it. The pug wing right under me. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, where you can send us your love slash hate mail or your comic that you would like us to review, like Brian DuPont, who sent us a copy of Pecos Bill, and it's pretty awesome. You did a great job on it. And be sure to check out the new and improved TwoHeadedNerd.com where the winners of our mascot contest are proudly on display and we are always accepting more mascots so keep them coming and watch for blog posts and reviews and all other manner of content and if you would like to join the THN editorial staff in any function email us samples of your writing and you could be an official THN love slave. Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. Matt, what Marvel concept would you like to see in a weekly series? It's really easy to go Power Man and Iron Fist because I love those two so much. 
I think, honestly, if you want to do something completely disconnected that will work really well, and they kicked it around before, I think Cloak and Dagger is a really fun idea. Cloak and Dagger would be fun, but I think I'm on board. I've been convinced. I think Runaways is probably... I think that's a good one, too. ...going to... would be the, the perfect Marvel Universe show... Because you could have your cake and eat it too. You don't ever have to actually see any existing Marvel characters other than, you know, the characters established in runways. I think Fallen Angels. Fallen Angels. Boom Boom. Skids. Rusty. Those lobsters. Warlock. The two sentient lobsters. Bob. The and kid in the wheelchair. Wizkid. <laughs> Wizkid. In reality, Howard the though, Duck. Howard the Duck was there. I mean, come on. <laughs> in reality, though, I'd be surprised if it wasn't like a shield show. I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't. I think it can be fun. Damage control. No, oh, you gotta be kidding me. They show I want up a TV show about damage control. They show up and clean up after the like the Avengers and the stuff. Coming like, of Galactus. They walk into New York after the big fight in the end of Avengers Two and go, "Well, we gotta clean all this crap up." Yes, <laughs> awesome. And one of them finds an Infinity Gem just laying in the rubble. Sure, sure. Hijinks. I like it. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to, and I apologize. Yeah, you picked us. Ugerson Maestri, a South African Indian listener who a wrote beautiful in... name. We're not making fun of you, Ugerson. No, I'm just apologizing because I know I'm getting it wrong. You said it wrong. He wrote in all the way from Munich, Germany to set Matt straight. Ben Kingsley is half British and half Indian, which makes him... Wait for it. Oh, please. Half Asian. Does it make him Chinese? Half Asian Does in your him... face. Does it make him Chinese? In your face, Matt Bomb. Word to you, Ugerson. God, I feel bad just saying it. And I'm really, really sorry for butchering that name. Thank you for writing in. And until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. Good night now.